Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the Dream Team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. And so if it's not money and if it's not popularity, what is it that gets us to this place where we feel like I am ready to start living now? What drove Saul, the Pharisee, the zealot, the one who kept all the law, the one from the right tribe, the one that sat in the Gamaliel, what drove him to this place where he said, I wasn't living until I found Jesus? Well, let's unpack his story. Let's walk in his shoes. In, book, in the book of Acts chapter 9, the first thing that we see is he had a God encounter. That's the first thing I want you to write down. He had a genuine God encounter. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, it says this, as Paul was nearing Damascus on this mission, a brilliant light from heaven suddenly beamed down upon him, and it knocked Saul to the ground. So what was happening was Saul was so zealous that he was off to go and persecute all of these followers. The Bible calls them not Christians, not believers, but they were called followers of the way. All of the earliest followers of Jesus, they were called followers of the way. They didn't know what else to call them. They followed the way, the way of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. That's what they were called. And Saul, he thought that if I can just round them up and kill them, we can exterminate this message of following Jesus. So before he was Paul the Apostle, he was actually Saul the persecutor, and he was killing Christians. And in this moment in Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to Damascus. He's got papers to round up Christians, to either lock them in jail, to get them to renounce their faith, or he would kill them all. This is what Saul was up to when he was knocked off his horse. And in the Urban Dictionary, we'd say he got woke in that moment. Because he gets knocked off of his horse, and he thought he was doing the Lord's work, and God speaks to him. And he says, Saul... Why are you persecuting me? In that moment, Saul's world begins to start crashing down. And I don't know about you, but I've had that sort of God encounter where I began to ask myself, am I doing the things that really matter in my life? Are my priorities the way that they should be in my life? You know, when we start talking about being raised to life, the first thing that everyone needs to have, and if you've not had it yet, my prayer is that you would have it, is that you would have this place where you have a genuine encounter with God. And, and, and I don't say that just because my background is Pentecostal and we value those experiences. I think everyone has to have a one-on-one encounter with God. I think that everyone has to get to this place where you find Jesus for yourself. There's a lot of people that can be around faith and yet still not be filled with faith. You know what I'm talking about? It's like if I had a bucket of water and the water was, was to the top of that bucket and I got an empty water bottle and stuck it in that bucket of water, as long as the cap is on that water bottle, it can be surrounded with water but yet still not have water on the inside of it. And there are too many Christians that are going through their Sunday experiences just like that. They are coming into strong worship environments. They enjoy the worship. They enjoy the singing. They enjoy the message, but yet they still have not had an encounter with God. And you are like a water bottle that is submerged in a bucket of water, and yet there's nothing on the inside of you. You have got to get to this place where you have a one-on-one encounter with God. He has got to become your personal Jesus. 
He has got to become your personal Jesus. It's not enough to hang on to the coattails of the faith of your parents. It's not enough to hang on to the coattails of the faith of your grandparents. I come from a pedigree of preachers and pastors, but none of that mattered until the day that I found Jesus for myself because I looked all over to try to find anything else like Jesus, and I realized that there was nothing and no one like him, and I needed to have an encounter with God all for myself. And so Paul, he seemed to have it all together, but he hadn't yet had an encounter with God. Now, God's encounter with him was, was pretty memorable, I'd say. I mean, it literally knocked him off a horse. And I think there's ways that God will get your attention. I think sometimes you can come into a worship experience, simply ask a question of God and have him answer it and, and meet him in a brand new way. But I've seen God do some things to really get people's attention. Anyone ever met someone that really needed to have their attention? Was like God just got a hold of them? Um, my, my wife was talking to me just last night. Um, she was like, have you heard about what's going on with Kevin Hart? And, and I don't know if you're familiar with his story, but, but Kevin Hart was in an accident, car accident, where it could have killed him. And it's his words, not my words. This is not the judgment of the church. This is what Kevin Hart's been saying. He's saying, I feel like God put me in that position to get me to slow down. And reconsider my priorities in life. You should check it out. Um, it's kind of crazy what's happening right now in Hollywood with faith. But Kevin Hart talks about how God had to slow him down. And he's in the rehab process. Literally having to get muscle memory back and whatnot. But it's crazy. And, and I think that sometimes God will do that. But I don't think God will always do that. Some of you should say praise God for that. Like, man, I ain't trying to get woke like that, you know. Uh, but, I, but God will work in any way to get your attention. But God wants to have an encounter with you. God wants to have a personal encounter with you. And the second thing, after you have that God encounter, what you really need to do is start asking questions. You need to ask a question. When was the last time you asked God a question? Yeah, yeah. Because this is what happened. When he was knocked off of his horse and when God blinded him, he asked God, who are you, Lord? That was Acts 9 and 4. Saul asked God, who are you, Lord? Because he thought he knew God, but in that moment, he's knocked off his horse. He's, he's hearing the voice of the Lord talk to him, and he finally gets the wherewithal to turn around and ask a question and say, who are you, God? I don't know about you, but, but when's the last time you asked God a question? Do you even ask questions of God? Because let me tell you, God's not afraid of your questions. I don't know if you've ever been going through something where you had to just ask God, God, can you give me clarity about the situation that I am going through? God, can, can, can you make clear to me this pain that I am feeling in my life right now? God, can you make clear to me what it is that's going on in this situation? Because after you've had your God encounter, the next best thing you can do for yourself is really start asking, yourself, asking God some questions. And God wants to talk to you. God really wants to talk, talk to you. I think we can take faith and sometimes make it so complicated. He just wants you to hear from you. All you've simply got to do is ask him the questions that you need. I'm actually going to push some of you in this direction because some of us are, are, are really, we, we say that we are living submitted to God, but when's the last time you asked God if that job was the right job for you before you just plunged into things? Is this the right relationship for my life? Ask God that question. Are my priorities in the right places? Ask God that question. Am I raising my kids the way that you want me to? Ask God that question because we're really good about asking for blessings. I mean, we do a lot of this in the church. I mean, we ask for blessings like crazy. We treat him like he's the genie in Aladdin. 
and he's in charge. He's sovereign. We believe in a sovereign God, and he will absolutely order the steps of your life if you ask him to. What the question does is it invites him to speak into that space of our life. And Paul thought he knew who God was, but clearly he didn't because God asked him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and in that moment where, like I said, he got woke, he, he, he realized maybe I've got it all wrong. I think the reason we don't ask enough questions is we're afraid of the answers. I'd rather, how many of you would rather not know? How many of you sometimes live life like that? Like just hoping people won't find out. I've met some people that have done some really foolish things in life. Or like, didn't you stop to ask a question? I kind of thought that if I didn't ask a question, they wouldn't notice. I mean, I just don't think you should be doing that with your life. I don't know if I can nudge you in that direction of the past as the pastor of this home. But have we ever asked God? I know that I've asked God. God, give me the strength and the wisdom to lead my children the way that I am supposed to lead them. Because there are some times as a parent... And I've got a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old. It's soon to be four, six, and ten. Help me, Jesus. But I got three, six, and a nine-year-old. And there are lots of times where I pause and I ask, am I getting it right? Because, I mean, I don't want to be that dad that gets it wrong. I don't want to be that dad whose kids don't even want to talk to them. I don't want to be that pastor whose kids don't want their faith because of the way dad jacked them up growing up as a pastor's kids. I don't want to get it wrong. So I ask God for wisdom. So I ask God for his help. Just, just yesterday, I was telling my wife, Joanna, um, we went on a date with no kids. You can tell we did a lot of talking. Can I get a get amen from the parents? It's like you can't even talk to each other unless you can get someone to watch your kids. So, you know, we, had, we, we, we got an opportunity to go out last night, and it was our first date night in too long. And so, hey, we got a, a chance to have a lot of conversation. I was sharing with her this story of my oldest son, Jaden. Now, my oldest son, Jaden, is sharp as a whip. And I'm not just saying that because every dad thinks their boy is smart. I mean, he's like smart, smart, okay? I know he's smart, smart. I've seen his SAT scores, okay? Y'all pray for my baby. He's in the spelling bee right now. We're praying he's going to rock out, you know what I'm saying? So he's like smart, smart. But, but at the same time, he's also real sensitive. And, 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 and he, he kind of shoots back. And, and, and yesterday, I, I sent him upstairs, like, for my well-being. You know what I'm saying? I had a moment where I, I told him, saying, oh, Dad, I didn't do that. And I was like, boy, just get up upstairs right now. And how many know sometimes the timeouts are not for them, it's for you? Any parents know what I'm talking about? You're like, you get upstairs now because I'm worried for your safety. You know what I mean? But I was explaining it to my wife. I was like, man, I felt so bad. And she's like, well, why? You were just kind of disciplined. I'm like, I know, but I just felt so bad. I, I asked God, God, I, I need your help in this space in my life. I've learned to ask God about my career. God, I need, your, I need you in this space in my life. When was the last time you asked God a question and you were ready to live out anything he told you in response? Church, y'all got to ask God questions. Ask him questions and watch what he does. Watch how he opens up doors. And he may not speak to you audibly, but he might speak to you through someone. He might speak to you through a door that opens or a door that closes. You got to ask a question and just leave it in his hands and wait for him to respond. Amen? All right. Number three, when God responded to him, the third thing you need to do is you need to get to the house. All right? That's, a, that's my third point. You need to get to the house. Now, now um, the Lord spoke back to him to Saul after he was knocked on, this, uh, knocked on off of his horse. He said, now get up and get into the city, and you are going to be told what to do. And so as he gets up, he tells the people that were accompanying him, he's like, get me into the city. They get him into the city, and they get him into the house. 
And they get him in the house, and, and, and the Lord literally tells Saul at that moment, you just stay in that house, and you wait until I send a message to you. And from that moment on, Saul just began to pray for God's will to be done. And I know it's a difficult thing to, be si- to, to, to sit and to wait, but God told Saul, just get to that house and wait. Look at your neighbor, tell him, get to the house. This is why I believe that making church is such a priority in your life. I, I, I really urge you as your pastor to make Sundays a priority. I mean, come on, you got Kanye telling you to get to church on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's like telling everyone right now. But, I mean, I think it is so important for you to make church a priority. And I think that when you get to the house, you get to this place where God can talk to you. Again, if it's not going to be audibly directly, if he's going to put something on the inside, if he's going to use other people to talk to you as well. But God will talk to you if you can get to the house. He said, get into the city and get to the house that I'm telling you to go to. And it was there that Saul just had to wait. And he had to wait because God was working out something else. God was like working out something else on his behalf. Because while Saul went to the house and had just, said, just had to sit and wait, in another part of town, another guy named Ananias, a follower of the way, he's in prayer. And God starts talking to Ananias. Ananias. And God tells him, Ananias, I want you to go to the house. I'm paraphrasing some of this. And you're going to see Saul of Tarsus there, and you're going to pray for him. And Ananias is like, heck no. I mean, this is a guy that's killing Christians. I'm supposed to run from him, not run to him. And then God has to tell Ananias, no, 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 you don't understand. I've got a plan for his life. I've got a calling for his life. I've got a purpose for him. So I need you to get to the house and deliver the word that I'm about to tell you. And so God was working this whole thing out. But it's all contingent on Saul taking his first step of obedience. How many of you know that a journey with Christ begins with a first step of obedience? That's all it takes. You put one foot in front of the other. Um, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm doing my best to get back to endurance events. Some of y'all know me that I like doing endurance events, triathlons, long ones, marathons, all that fun stuff. But we always encourage one another, just put one step in front of the other. One step in front of the other. How do you run 26 miles in a day? You put one step in front of the other. You just keep going one foot in front of the other, and you don't stop the same way it is in your faith journey. If you can take that first step of obedience, then identify your next step and take your next step of obedience, and then take your next step of obedience, and take your next step of obedience. It's just as simple as that. If you could just take that next step, you're going li- to live the life that God is calling you to live. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. I think some of us want to see the future picture of what our life is supposed to be. And and we we just want to see the end result and think we can just, you know, just snap our fingers and get there. It's like one of the it's one of the most ridiculous things to come to smartphones called the airbrush app. I know y'all heard about the airbrush app. It's that app that after you take your picture, you can really do some work to yourself. It's like plastic surgery without the surgery. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's like, um, and, I, and you see some people, you know, like really airbrushing themselves. My friend showed it to me. I was like, look at this. And if we do this, we can whiten your teeth. And if we can do this, we can do that. And if we do this. And I was like, you know, and then, you're, then it's all done. Sometimes you look at someone's picture and the walls are all bent because they're trying to make themselves thinner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like, yo, bro, yeah, they're bending walls, man. What are you doing? <laughs> um, and, and, and oftentimes it's like we want an app for what God's trying to do in our life. And there's no app for that. You actually got to put in the work. You can't just see the picture and think you're going to arrive. But that work is always just one step in front of the other. It's just one step. What's the next step of obedience? This is really what discipleship is. When I talk to people about discipleship, and you hear that word discipleship, it can be kind of a heavy word. It's like, whoa, I don't know about all that discipleship. So that's kind of a heavy word, Pastor Josh. Discipleship is just taking your next step of obedience. 
what is God calling me to do now? This is what he's calling me to do. You take that step. And once you're there, God, what's the next step that I'm supposed to do? Do this. And then you, you take a next. That's all it is, guys. I, I don't want discipleship to be this big religious Christianese word that you run from. Like, I don't know about all this. That's all it is. And, and, and all Saul had to do was just get to the house, Saul. When you get there, I'm going to send someone to you. Just get to the house. And I'm coming to a close now. And then the last thing is that, then I want you to just listen to my word. Okay, listen to my word. Um, the Lord said to Saul, go to, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord said to Ananias, go over to Straight Street. That's a hard, I mean, that's a really weird name for a street, Straight Street. Try saying that five times, okay? Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you arrive, ask for Saul of Tarsus. He is praying for me now. So he tells Ananias, while God was working this all out, he goes, Ananias, just get over to uh, Judas's house. It's on Straight Street. Just get there. When you get there, Saul's going to be waiting. You wait there, and then I'm going to tell you what to say. And then he goes. And when he gets there, it, it, it's, just, it's just amazing how, how fast it happens. And I'm going to pull it up because I want to reference some of these scriptures. But, but once he gets there, it happens so fast. He goes, he sees Saul, and he finds him, and he lays hands on him. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road sent me so that you might again re so that you might regain your sight again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the minute he touches him and prays for him, the Bible says scales fell from his eyes. He was blinded in the moment, but, but scales fell from his eyes, and he was able to see. And then right when he was done with that, the Bible says that he regained his sight, and then Ananias takes him over to the place and says, and I'm going to baptize you. And that's why we celebrate Baptism Sunday today, because it is someone saying goodbye to the old and saying hello to the new. It's someone making that significant step, and, and that's a decision that, that we make. That is a very personal decision that you make between you and God, but baptism is celebrating that decision. Baptism is going public with that declaration and saying, the old has passed away. All, behold, all things are made new. And Paul said, it's only when I gave my life to Christ that I really started living. I'll take you back to that first thing that I was telling you about. What do you mean I didn't start living until I started living for, living for God? This is why he really got to get to growth track. And today's step one of the growth track, right after baptism Sunday, meet me at growth track. This is the front door to the church. But what growth track is really all about is helping you discover your purpose here in life. We do it on three consecutive Sundays. Today is step one. If you meet me there, I will be there. We're going to have lunch for you. If you're worried about your kids, we're going to watch your kids. We're going to feed your kids too. If your kid's like little Caesars, they're going to thank you for taking them to growth track. Um, but... Uh, but in Growth Track, we really help people find their purpose. We, we, we help people identify how, how God has wired them and how you can use that wiring for the glory of God. The reason Paul said, I wasn't living until I gave my life to Christ is because he knew his strengths and he knew his wiring. But all of the stuff that God had given him was being used for the wrong reasons. And I feel like when people haven't found their purpose, you are taking all the skill set that God has given you and not using it for the right stuff. Because we're born with gifts and talents and abilities. We all are. You are, um, you, you, there's something that every single person in this room, you do something so well that few people can do as good as you. And, and you can use that for whatever purpose you want. You can, make, you can use that to make a ton of money. You can use that for whatever reason. But let me tell you, when you start using the very things that God has given you for the kingdom of God, that's when you really start living. That's when you really start living. I mean, I, I, I've been able to, 
to get up in front of a crowd and articulate God's word. And I'm not afraid to speak in public and I'm not afraid to be in crowds. But before I was pastoring and I was working in corporate, they'd say, hey, you got to go make a pitch to the vice presidents and get up there and pitch this whole negotiation strategy so you can go negotiate that contract. And I'd walk in like, let's go. While other people are like, I hate speaking in front of the VPs. I'm afraid to speak in the VPs. I'd get up there. I'm like, come on, VPs, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them you look good today. You know, I just go up there like it was a Sunday. You know what I mean? I'd get in the room and just do me. And I remember like walking out of those presentations and one of the vice presidents looked at me. He's like, you're a Christian, aren't you? I'm like, could you tell? He's like, you were up there almost preaching to everyone, but they, they all believed you're a green thing. It's like, they're like, they signed off on your agreement. Go negotiate. Let the Lord be with you. You know, <laughs> but, but I understand my gifting. And, and, and it can either be used in the world or it can be used for the glory of God. And, and oftentimes it's both. It's both. It's not always one or the other. It's both and. But I believe God gives you your gift and talents. But you got to take your gift and talent and use it for the kingdom. Saul didn't start living until he realized that because he was a pure-blooded Jew and because he was a Benjamite, and because he sat under the feet of Gamaliel, all of those things that I talked about his pedigree was, he realized that he was actually born for this. He thought he was born for something else, but he was born for this. This is why he was able to write over half of our New Testament. Paul was so amazing that he can stand in a room full of Jews and be blameless in front of him. And then he'd go with the Gentiles. And he was so darn educated that they couldn't stop but marvel at how smart he was. God ordained that. God gifted him. God gifted him in such a powerful way that he could be used like none other. Now, don't get me wrong. There were other disciples who were very gifted. I mean, Peter, Peter would throw down. Peter, he was kind of like gangster, you know what I'm saying? Because the Bible said he cut the ear off of someone that tried to arrest Jesus. How many got friends like Peter that was just looking for a fight, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe you are Peter, and you need to get baptized today. We got extra shorts. We got extra shirt. Peter had a purpose. Matthew had a purpose. Everybody had a purpose. And when God used that for the glory of God, then they're like, now I know what I'm supposed to do. And Paul, when he found Christ, he took that, for, that it's like that breath of, of fresh air. It's like, now I know what I'm supposed to do. And I just want that for you. That's really what I want for all of you in this room. I want you to know why you're here on this earth. I want you to know why God has designed you the way that he has designed you. I want that for you. They just want me to go to growth track because they want. No, no, no. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want for you to discover your purpose. I want for you to start living. I want for you to become the husband that God wants you to be. I want for you to become the father that God needs for you to be. I want for you to crush it at your job. But then I also want you to crush it for the kingdom. I want you to start living the life that God has called you to live. So today, we're excited. We got one young man that is getting baptized. Let's give it up for Antoine Collins. He's going to get baptized. So here's what's going to happen. I want you to stand up on your feet. We're actually going to send Antoine out of here. Antoine, you may exit through that door. I'm going to follow you out. And immediately after our service, we are going to baptize Antoine. But here's the deal, y'all. I would love for some of you who have not yet made that decision to get baptized to really think about making that decision right now. Like I said, we've got shorts. We've got shirts. We've got sandals. We got hair gel. Y'all, we got you. Okay, we got you. All right? But, um, but I want for you to start living. What, what I want for you is to make that same declaration that Paul said when Paul said, and now I am living. But you had so many things going for you, Paul. I know. I know. But, but I mean, you, you had clout, Paul. I know. 
You had a lot of things working in your favor, Paul. I know. But I still wasn't living until I found Jesus. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.